This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hi, uh, welcome to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Uh, I, I'm Ryan, uh, I guess Dicebull, and with me as always are my good friends, uh, Joe and Eric. Joe, Eric, hey. how are you guys doing? How's it going? Pretty good, how about yourself? Um, oh, not too bad. Yeah. How are you, Ryan? I, I'm trying not to click my pen in front of the microphone. I'm, uh, I'm doing, you know. It's that time of the year where the, the it gets darker, it gets colder, and seasonal depression kicks in. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. wonderful. Uh, so usually the the worst part for that is that it's just it's like post holidays when it's like, hey, everything good about winter is over, and it still goes on for four more months. So oh, and it's just I'm painful. I'm really looking forward to that that annual weekend between Christmas and New Year's when it's and I'll probably be talking about it when we record during that time about how it's everybody's just lost. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I envy people in other countries that don't celebrate or practice these holidays, because like there's like ah, it's the fucking like December twenty eighth. Who cares? But what do I you know, do for these days? Yeah, like their biggest here, stress it's... is like I gotta buy a new calendar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a weird time, but and I feel like I'm already ramping up into that. <laughs> yeah, well, and every like leading up to the holidays is crazy. Like we got Thanksgiving, and then. Um, this last weekend we did my kids uh third birthday party oh, that's right and um their birthday's not until next week we did a week early to kind of separate it from christmas a little bit mm-hmm. uh because like next week we start with uh, my wife's family christmas and then the following weekend we're doing uh some stuff here and then we have actual christmas and then my family's christmas the weekend after christmas so it's like it just is this december is just a mess you know <laughs> yeah a fun like good it's mostly good fun stuff but it's yeah crazy i feel like that's an appropriate description anyway like december's just a mess (laughs) it is it is in more ways than one i feel like because of that um that's definitely what kind of led me into choosing today's movie um like when i started when you start hitting that moment and you're like i need something from my childhood that's like it's fun it's colorful but it does have as an adult like kind of those deeper kind of depressive tones in, in a way yeah. not not really yeah. much for me because i'm not a parent but you guys but that that movie being uh hook uh the 1991 yeah. spielberg uh film children you must make yourself remember remember what peter don't you know who you are have to fly have to fight have to crow have to save maggie have to save jack okay he's back and this will officially be the first time we've uh, talked about a spielberg movie yeah it is podcast you're welcome yeah, i guess yeah. uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> i didn't um no yeah and it stars robin williams which that kind of has a heavy moment mm-hmm. and uh dustin hoffman um and uh who else bob bob Ho- hoskins yeah who hoskins, yeah. is greatly fucking casted as me as me uh, uh, yeah. Actually, all the casting's pretty, for the most part, dead on. Julia Roberts, I'm iffy on at times. Oh, like yeah. I, I we'll, see the we'll appeal. Talk about, we'll talk about that. But, but yeah, but yes, most of the cast is really great. But this this one's a classic for my girlfriend and I, and because it is kind of set in that in between 
of like Christmas and and Thanksgiving like this this feels like a good late November movie early December movie so I was really happy that we were able to get this into the schedule yeah the timing Um, seemed really well yeah yeah and I never really considered this to be a holiday movie except that I remember very much it coming out around the holiday season um they have some like christmas decor up but they don't yeah. fucking talk about it. it revisiting it again i i think it's very much has the feel of kind of a holiday movie like even it's even got that kind of like and a lot of spielberg stuff has this but that kind of sense of like childhood magic you know come true kind of things that is very common to a holiday you know christmasy movie uh even though christmas really has nothing to do with this it just has that kind of it's a fam. There's a family you know, element to it. To it it's yeah. it's to, to remind you, as like an overworking uh, adult or parent, to like maybe you forgot to be how to be a kid again, which is the whole point of the you know the movie, and how important it is for you to reconnect to not just that side of yourself, but that side of yourself that also connected to others. Because kids right. are great at social... They're also great at bullying one another, so that's part of that in this movie, too. But um, for the most part, like, that that wonderment, uh, yeah. I think. And I, this, I, I remember really loving this when it came out. I think I was at the right... I mean, it came out in 91, and I just looked... Yeah, it came out in December, yeah. so I think they were trying to, like, go in a little bit on that Christmas market, even though it's not a holiday film. Um, but yeah, you're right. It has enough of the... You know, it's it's, in, it's winter in, in England kind of a thing, but... Um, yeah, I remember really liking this when it, when it came out because, well, first of all, you know, same here. You, yeah. if you were a kid in the nineties, Robin Williams helped define your childhood, right? He was, he was the genius of humor. He was, he was Peter yeah. Pan and he was all of these characters that, that you loved. You know, it was, this was post Robin Williams, real serious, uh, drug issues <laughs> and more yeah. into when right. he was, you know, he was doing family movies. Now he was in Mrs. Doubtfire and all that stuff, but um yeah and yeah looking back gosh some of the some of the performances here still really are great and we already mentioned bob hoskins as me which watching this again he's he's great in this and i remember even liking him a lot as a okay. kid and dustin is the best thing about this movie is the scenes between smee and hook and hook yeah <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah dustin hoffman is hook too he yeah. just he so yeah. overdoes it and he chews the scene oh, God, so yeah. much it's such a cartoon that it's it's great and uh, some of the themes in it gosh my when sarah and i were watching this there's the scene when you know hook is like he's all depressed because you know peter pan's growing up my greatest enemy is is a weakling and he's gonna shoot himself in the head <laughs> and he has to convince me to stop, stop me, him me. from yeah stop me you get off your ass and come stop me i'm like this is a kid's movie this is a kid's movie in the 90s we joked about yeah. suicide for children uh, but yeah but, there's a kind of a well, dark connection that uh uh sharon and i kind of saw with that when you're like you have like that dynamic of you have a character hook who want who who's like life has no meaning i'm gonna kill myself you have that scene and then later on you have peter pan played by robin williams talking about he's living the greatest adventure which is life where you had that mirror of hook saying the greatest adventure is death through suicide and you're we're just sitting there at the end of the movie looking at each other going ouch yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and I, I i am glad you brought that up because i feel like just recently um you know with like disney plus and stuff being out there now i've been revisiting a bunch of old movies like disney movies with the kids and we did recently watch aladdin and i realized i'm just now getting to a point where i can watch robin williams movies and not feel sad yeah you know same, same. but but and I mean, honestly it's it, uh, so brilliant in so many things it's it's hard to like it's sad, but it's hard to like, you know, not want those to be part of your life at the same time. Right. It's just like that. All being said, and I agree, you know, he's he's so great in so many things. I rewatching this one. Um, I don't feel like this is one of them though, for Robin no, Williams. It's not one for me. Either, I kind of feel like he, he not was, that he's bad, but no, but I feel like he was kind of cast in this as let's make Robin Williams the grown up Peter Pan because it's Robin Williams, but he doesn't really bring much to it um it's it's like the the two cast members in this i feel like are kind of wasted or just miscast or him and, and tinkerbell with julia roberts yeah i didn't hold that thought for two seconds ryan god forbid there's some poor person out there who hasn't actually seen hook before can you give us a quick rundown of what hook is and what it's all about 
So this takes place in like, I don't know how many years later, but you have a, a grown-up Peter Pan played by Robin Williams, uh, who now goes by the name of uh, Peter Pannon, who is a, a lawyer um, and who, who is terribly, terribly like obsessed with his work, um, trying to do like mergers and other corporate things. Uh, they don't really focus too much on it, but, but as a result, he's not there for his kids, especially his firstborn, um, his son, Jack, uh, and frequently misses, um, like moments in his life. And that, that later, that plays on later in the movie. And then he, he visits his childhood home, uh, who is now an 80 year old Wendy, uh, who essentially helped him get adopted when he decided not to be Peter Pan anymore and he lost all of this and then it his world gets turned upside down when Hook uh, steals his kids and uh, invites him to save uh, save them and, and return to Neverland uh, and then a bunch of hijinks of you know old man trying to learn how to be a kid again and what finding out what his values truly are um, and and facing uh, the ultimate adventure of sorts, and um, that's that feels like a good yeah. Kind of, that pretty yeah, much sums it yeah. up, you know. Yeah, grown up Peter Pan has to go back, and and I have to disagree with with the. I actually think Robin Williams. I can't think of anyone better than Robin Williams to play a Peter Pan. Um, I don't think it's Robin Williams that's off. I think it's the role as written for this film. And that's the like thing. Like he yeah, has to yeah. play this this stifled, angry. Um, he's got to. Robin Williams has to do a lot of acting in this movie to not be Robin Williams right away. Like, it, yeah. I will admit the Peter Pan stuff kind of comes later, but it doesn't feel too unnatural, but it is kind of like you expect Robin, Robin, sorry, Robin Williams straight out the gate to be Robin Williams. And it's, I can see where you guys' criticism with that is. Well, and that, um, that, yeah, that, I, I, I don't blame him whatsoever for it. I think it's just, um, it's not an incredibly well-perceived role i think it, it goes a little bit too far to the extremes on both ends like it they really try really hard to like you know get the point across in the beginning so much that they actually kind of make him a bit of an asshole and i don't think that's necessary i think you could you could get the point across that he's a he's a person who's kind of lost his his way or you know lost what his uh what matters to him most in his life without turning him into an actual jerk yeah well, i think it really... is, is like they're trying to point out the fact that he doesn't even know that he's lost it yeah, but well, it's yeah, like you he's, need to, I agree. He's like, a total asshole in this stuff. <laughs> like, and that's where the asshole yeah, he's part basically comes in out. A, what I wrote down was insensitive twat is too extreme for the Peter Pan character. <laughs> like, just like, um, and of course I didn't notice that when I was a kid. And I remember Robin Williams being in in dramatic roles, and he was really quite great in those. Like the Fisher King, the Terry Gilliam film, the Fisher King comes to mind. Oh my god, yeah. He's he's one of my favorites. You know, he's incredible. Or even The World According to Garp, which is a really hard movie to watch because it's so sad, but he's so great in it, you know. Um and there's a bunch of Robin Williams movies where he doesn't do goofy zany Robin Williams. Um so I, I it's not like his performance as that was was bad. It just he's not very sympathetic. It's it, he's no, really I just not. think the character arc is just so like boom 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 it's ABC like take him to Neverland. Well, first he's this total jerk, and then they take him to Neverland, and he's this, I don't believe you, and then all of a sudden, like, the events are just, like, it's one little thing, and then he's like, wait, I am Peter Pan, and I don't know, it just, it doesn't play, for a movie that runs two and a half hours, it sure seems like it's a very simple character arc that is done in, like, kind of in two extremes, I don't know. I, I, don't know I will say there is a scene, though, that is very kind of heartbreaking early on where where he is trying to reach out for his kids but his own cowardice prevents him from doing so and you see yeah. like that level of defeat yeah and like that's he's just sunken so low when he was given the challenge to fly yeah uh, and you see with his kid jack just reaching out um like come on dad just please like that character by the way that actor that child actor does a phenomenal job in this movie um there's a lot of parts where you're like he's kind of fun He's not he's he's not like some of the kids where you you're like okay this is this but he he does have his moments where you feel sorry for him like you can see like that level of disappointment and, and just 
dare yeah. I say, he feels alone. Really, like no connection That's at all. Charlie Corsmo as Jack yep. in that movie, and he's and been he in was... tons of stuff in this around this yeah, time. Yeah, I feel like he was in a lot of stuff around that time. Yeah, yeah, and even even a bit older when he was a, a teenager in the later nineties too. Um, like one movie in ninety eight, but afterwards he became he's an uh, a lawyer. He though. became a lawyer yeah. of all things. He became <laughs> yeah. Rob Williams. Didn't character. really learn much from from Hook, did he? No. I mean, this and speaking of of you know the the younger kids in this too. Um, the scenes with the Lost Boys in this are are really quite charming. There's a couple moments right, that are a bit yeah. cringy. They're not even cringy, but just kind of. Well, there are some cringy moments in this, but there's yeah, there's the the Lost Boys stuff generally is fun. I think the of all of the Lost Boy scenes, though, the dinner scene is still one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Where yes. With, the, with the name calling and the the name calling <laughs> and then and you know the, the, the food's food. all imaginary so he's like he's smelling all these wonderful things and they lift the lids off the pots yeah. and there's nothing there. And then when he finally starts to believe it's the turning you point. See in the, the movie. spread and it's just, even watching it now I'm like I I'm so hungry right now watching. You want to <laughs> eat that like yes. gross looking dyed mashed potatoes. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. But as a kid so this movie was very rare for me. So when it came out, I was one. So let that be perspective. <laughs> right. So I didn't get part of the release, but this is something that at some point when I was younger, it was rented, watched it, loved it, but I didn't. I never owned it, rarely had access to it. So so to, to be able to see it at any point was just, just so wonderful. And that scene is always like the one that's always stuck in my mind because of the like the colors that they had in there it's just primary colors but the way they made yeah. that like cream pie stuff yeah look with the with the it's so weird looking back now as an adult like watching them like growing up it's just like it's definitely like dyed mashed potatoes it's kind of gross but you still get that like i want to eat some of those turkey legs um i will know this is the first time i noticed this but one of the characters the 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 larger kid uh bud bud, bud yeah. Thud butt. Yeah. He has thud a block butt. of cheese that has his face on it, and it says "thud butt" right on the block of cheese. Oh, that's like, awesome! It's like it's like a th- <laughs> I didn't notice that ever until like I just literally watched the movie to tonight, like two hours before we did the recording, and I'm like, that says "thud butt" right on right on the fucking cheese. I I do have to admit that's there was weird. one thing with one of the, and this isn't like a performance thing. The little girl, his daughter Maggie. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a typical little you know child performance you know it's very stilted but it's a kid you know that's fine it's just oh, yeah. the some of the lines they give her this little girl is like obsessed with her mom and, yeah. and to a you point don't have a mommy. You know, when when yeah there's that which that line's fine but it's like with the scene when he's reaching out and he's like failing and she's like come on daddy mommy could do it that yeah. was the first time i yelled fuck you at the screen while watching this movie <laughs> And it, it happened more, and it's always with her. Like at the end, when it's like, "All right, what's your happy thought?" She's like, "Mommy, I'm waiting for her to look down and be like, fuck you.'" <laughs> you know? Fucking leaving you with the mermaids. I just, I just came back here, had to relive my childhood. That's a bit traumatic, you know. I almost was murdered by pirates as a kid. Had to go through all this. I just killed a bunch of people, and you're like, "Mommy." Like, I will say, <laughs> she fuck you. Now, like, now that you, you brought her see up, all of that? No. now that you brought her up, honestly, she was a pointless character. She really like she did what she did one thing in one brief moment, and that's remind not just Jack but the audience. Like Neverland makes you forget. Don't forget. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, that was that the only was real like crucial but, thing I think she had. Um, yeah, it, it could have just been Jack. But you know the yeah. the other the other some of the other characters in here some of the other lost boys especially Dante Basco's character Rufio I think has kind yes. of become a generational thing where anytime I see Dante Basco and he's been in other things he looks the same oh, yeah. and it's just like it's Rufio <laughs> I just had to look up his name because like that's always just it's Rufio yeah I mean this has some staying power especially with people that grew up with it and I don't think it's like I don't think it's the worst movie ever made or anything. It's just like, like revisiting it from a perspective and trying to separate yourself from the nostalgia, which I don't always recommend you do. I mean, enjoy it if that's your thing. Yeah. I think um, like, I recognize it and identify yeah, it between like analyzing nostalgia. quite the classic it might get the, um, you know, that it kind of gets credit for being. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't enjoy it if you enjoy it, fine. But it just if you 
like revisiting it now and and honestly i'll be 100 percent honest this was not my favorite movie as a kid i think i saw it and like i really liked some things about it i liked the characters i liked the but honestly at the age i was which i would have been you know six years old uh no i would have been um seven years old and it might have been a little bit um too long a little bit too adult in places um for me the first time because i remember getting a little bogged down by this one like almost like it was it was a little on the boring side but it had some great moments like i just i, I find parts of it very memorable and i find parts of it very not memorable from from childhood so i coming back to it i'm not gonna call you a monster for saying any of that but i know most <laughs> people will yeah no this is one i'm getting a little bit crucified about but yeah, anyway. I, I really remember liking this like to a point where like after seeing it in the theater with a friend of mine, we were running around with like our mom's moose in our hair to look like Rufio and like running up and down the stairs with, you know, something as swords and shit. It, like it, it had an impact on me. I must have watched it enough because even watching it now, I still remember a lot of the lines, like I know what's gonna be said, I remember the tone and everything. I don't I didn't forget much about this movie. Um what I didn't realize is how long it was. Because, like, yeah. watching it this time, I'm like, wow, this is still going on. And kind of those down moments where, like, the... And, again, part of it is looking back as an adult to something you liked as a kid and, and going, wow, this is this is a pretty heavy theme. Uh, to be honest, the the whole stuff about, like, him as a, as a dad and not being a very good one, um, it's, it's some... It was that was a little heavier than I remembered, or you know, which of course, yeah. as a kid, you're not going to be thinking about that. But um, you know, like that balancing work and life, and yeah, right. It's funny because nowadays we live in a time when everybody's critical of people, you know, kids on their cell phones all the time. And in this one, that's a, a theme in the beginning is that he's always on his cell phone. This guy from work is always calling him. And uh, yeah, they even you know, have that, like a little like skit where they show who can draw out their cell phone the fastest. Like yeah, a, like a western draw like. Uh, shootout so, situation you know it was um th there's some some pretty heavy things in there that as a kid you don't get but i think as a parent like you mentioned ryan like as an adult you look back at this and go wow that's a little heavy but overall yeah. yeah it just didn't um it it wasn't the i'll be honest when i sat down to rewatch this i was expecting to just totally be kind of taken back to that childhood neverland kind of mindset and it um I kind of noticed the cracks a little more uh, than I ever did before. This is one of the first movies I think that we've reviewed um, that it was a, a really good thing. Like I really loved this as, as in my childhood and kind of going back now, I was like, yeah, it's still cute, but uh, it doesn't have the same grab um, yeah. that, that it used to for me personally. Um, but I still, I, I still enjoyed it, but it, it didn't have the same impact it used to. And I'll focus on this, a couple of the positives, things I really loved about this this time um, through it. And it reminded me of like a really magical time in like big budget Hollywood movies where movies were still made on sets because the production design set, and costumes yeah. of this movie are, yeah. are incredible. Like everything really in it are. just looks great. And that's the thing um, I, I want to mention too, like the set design about it yeah. is what was the most, that's, that's as a kid, that's always what I remember the most was that set design. Like the, the, Po like the the power of it the pirate um, village the pirate city and the lost boys yeah. village all you wanted to go the to neverland really cool. yeah right the way it kind of like builds on you know the the jm barry play and also the disney peter pan film and just kind of uses elements of all of that plus a little bit of you know a little bit of lord of the flies and a little bit <laughs> in there uh to put a little modern icing on the cake but um and i it's it just yeah, it's a, that that part of it is incredible, and I, I don't know what awards it won in that. I probably could see that right here, but yeah, in that category, but it, it certainly deserved all of that for um, the technical aspects of the film. It was really a great looking movie, and I it made me miss movies like that, like just yeah. the they, kind they, of creativity. They the, and and the, I don't want to sell anybody short that designs you know digital sets because obviously they're talented people and and. They're blowing us away to the point where we we now don't even realize we're looking at digital sets, but there's there's something a little bit lost on uh, from this. It doesn't era. feel like, as maybe. real. It's like if yeah. it's like having the choice between like a Baby Yoda 
like that's a puppet versus a CGI, you know you're going to have more emotional value towards the puppet. Well, because it's a but, real thing, yeah. Right, and that's yep. what it is. Like your brain knows what's real and what's fake. And even if it's a puppet with less, or puppet or set with less like moving parts than what would normally happen, it's still more real. Um, yep. I was going to say about the set design actually that uh, Robin Williams himself in, in a in a interview mentions how like. They use the exact same studios as they did the Wizard of Oz. In fact, the pirate ship itself is exactly where the Emerald City was once oh, in cool. the studios. Wow. Yeah. So for him, for Rob Williams, this was really a, like a deep passion thing for him. Like he really enjoyed the movie to the point that he, Spielberg, and uh, Dustin Hoffman, they did not collect a salary during production. Like oh, they well, waited till yeah. afterwards. Like they were that much. Into yeah, they this. only made movies on pro- or money on the proceeds of this film, which it did. It did well. So yeah, yeah. They, they didn't end up losing on it, but yeah, they they did. It was a passion project for all of them. And um, he says like something about like working on those sets, and it's linked to like, will you have another like technical achievement like Wizard of Oz in terms of its colors and usage? You know, it's like you can see where where that was and robin williams i guess did like 90 percent of his own stunts and everything like that's mostly him with everything I, well let me rephrase that it was the least fun he's had on a film set uh he even just admitted yeah. and part of that was i think some personal stuff going on in his life at the time he pretty much like as the years go on even right back in 2018 i saw a thing he pretty much hates his film he he didn't yeah. seem like he did right away but he does criticize the film even more like more harshly nowadays yeah um like well, saying, I mean, yeah, you can definitely, like, yeah, I, was, it, I lacked confidence when making this, when, like, I lacked confidence in the script. He goes, like, I'm really proud of the beginning and the end, but any t- once we start going to Neverland, I just started throwing more production elements like a, to make up like for It's like a greatest hits direction. of, hey, well, how many Peter Pan references can we get into this thing? Uh, yeah. It turns into a Peter yeah. Jackson movie for a few minutes, I feel like, too, because it's just this long, like, where everything is, like... All it is is Robin Williams falling down and getting beat up, and uh, there's like almost 20 minutes of the film where he's just kind of falling through Neverland, and it reminded me of the kind of useless padding that um, ruined um, Peter Jackson's otherwise brilliant King Kong remake. Yeah. Um, just I, I don't know, yep. just this, those kind of excesses, and it just seemed like like hey, it's Neverland, so let's reference everything from the original Peter Pan. We have to make a reference to this, this, and this, and we have to see this, this, and this, and. It, it almost got into some of the tropes that they do with, like, remakes and reboots and sequels that don't work when they depend too too strongly upon, like, wink-wink jokes to people that are aware of the original material, mm-hmm. which I feel like you do have to be to a certain extent to enjoy this. But, yeah, anyway, I, I well, think I agree with Steven Spielberg. Like, yeah. that's a, kind of my exact feelings about this film, too. So, And I know that, that there were some... To some degree or another, I've heard conflicting stories about this, but some some headbutting and clashing on the set with Julia Roberts and Spielberg. Uh, Spielberg pretty much attributes it to it was an unfortunate time for the two of us to be working together. Like they were both going through some things and they had some problems. Can we talk about Julia Roberts and how this is? Okay, and I'm not a hater. I actually enjoy her in some things. But this is a, gotta be a career low, worst, most... My least favorite thing that I've ever seen her do. She is so obnoxious in this movie and so inappropriate for the way she like reads and, um, and maybe you know it's not entirely her fault. They uh, really really late in the script game had a ghostwriter and I'll I'll have you guys if you haven't Wikipedia this guess who the ghostwriter is come in and rewrite all of the dialogue for uh there were this was done in two places but for Tinkerbell's character um. A very specific celebrity writer came in and rewrote the dialogue, and I think I can hear it in there now. But I feel like Julia Roberts actually kind of tries to channel this actress to a very, like, negative... I don't know, it just doesn't work. Nothing gels about her performance. And anyway, do you guys know who came in and ghostwrote all of the... No. uh, It was Carrie Fisher. Um, uh, oh, actually wow. wrote all the dialogue, rewrote all the dialogue for Tinkerbell late in the script game. They had uh, somebody came in and redid Hook's dialogue as well, which obviously I think to a little more success. But um, you know, well, I know Carrie that... Fisher's Carrie Fisher's a fantastic uh, writer and, and, and actress and somebody I, I really really like respected a lot. And um, this is not a high moment, but I, I'm going to go ahead and blame Julia Roberts for that because I really think yeah, she Julia turned Roberts into poor is no performance Carrie Fisher. in this film. 
Well, and I think just it was like, I I guess that was my other complaint with with Robin Williams. Again, not him as as an actor Um, or even Julia Roberts as an actress. Like I said, she like you said, she's really incredible in some things. Um, yeah, you know, there's a reason that she's very, very. Yeah, I like to preface that. Like, I don't hate Julia Roberts. No, no, not at all. Necessarily, just. Like, but I feel like this. They both of these actors were put in this just because it was like, well, they were big at the time, and oh, we want to make it a kids' movie, but it's kind of for adults. Put Robin Williams in it, and oh, who else is? Who would be a great Tinkerbell? We need a big popular female lead to be this kind of zany fairy. Oh, we'll put Julia Roberts in America's Sweetheart, you know, and it's just like, nah, it's too forced. Um, also, am I the only person that the only one that kind of detests or absolutely hates the scene where they made her grow to big size just so they could have a kissing scene? Yep. Um, I will say, it's, okay, it's, it's like a low point in this movie. We uh, <laughs> so my my girlfriend and I were huge Hook fans, as we mentioned. She's a huge, huge Peter Pan fan, like of the classic uh, book series, especially, and and so so. For her, like, her criticisms of a lot of things, like, matter. Uh, but she really enjoys this film. But she does say that she's, like, always points out that the whole Tinkerbell romance thing, she goes, like, is, like, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's hinted in other media. It wasn't necessary. It's awkward. Same with that weird scene with uh, Maggie Smith and Robin Williams, like, before he gets sent off. Like, look like they're gonna kiss, and you're and you're like, I it doesn't matter if it's that that's there, that has to be weird for that guy who doesn't remember being Peter Pan because his grandmother figure wants to make out with him, yeah, yeah. This figure um, of per- person who had kind of took him in and helped him, um, you know, she, she she became grandmotherly to him, whether she has the you know, had those feelings at that point or not. I would think in both characters that has changed, you know, as time. That was incredibly awkward and a terrible choice. My my, <laughs> yeah. my my girlfriend says she goes like I love the film, but I don't know what the fuck's wrong with Spielberg with with his sexual issues that throw him in this film because those are the those are the awkward parts where there's like this weird yeah, sexual. I don't energy. feel like I pick up on that in a lot of Spielberg's work. Like, right, I feel like that's got to come from somewhere in the script. Like that's just. Yeah, I did this movie. I pick up on it a lot. Okay, like, in a so couple different so places, here's the thing but... about the script because originally it was co-written uh, or inspired by conversations with the writer's son. So I don't know who threw that Freudian shit, but yeah. Well, that uh, that seems to be a a thing I've noticed whenever a filmmaker is like, I'm gonna have my kids help me write this one. I mean, eh, it never really ends well, you know. <laughs> but. Yeah, and, and I think this is an example of that. Where, yeah, overall, I think if if I were seeing this movie for the first time, um, I don't think I would have the appreciation for it that I do now. Because, like you had said, Eric, before, like nostalgia is a pretty powerful thing, and you know you can't mm-hmm. discard it. But looking at this on its own, you know, merits without nostalgia, there's some fun, campy performances based on like the source material, you know, like Captain Hook and all that. The sets really, really are beautiful. Sets and costumes together are really quite beautiful. Um, yeah. But overall, just the story of what if Peter Pan grew up? Do we need two and a half hours to tell that? I think it's an intriguing premise. I actually really like the idea. I just don't think they they delivered on it. Like yeah. I just think it just it was too too simplistic. Like. Oh, now you're back in Neverland. You know you're gonna right all your wrongs. And, and okay, and I'm fine with there being you know like broad strokes. Type. Steven Spielberg's usually pretty pretty tight filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, he's like fifty fifty, but all of his best work is really tight. And uh, and what I mean by that is like it's the story doesn't he doesn't waste a whole lot of time on things that aren't necessary to the story. He has a lot of economy in the way he tells a story or his narrative yeah. is very um, tight. And this movie is like the opposite of that usual. And I'm sure you could come up with some other, uh, it may be modern, you know, more modern Spielberg films. He gets a little more indulgent. But this one, I swear, could you could cut 40 minutes of this thing. And unfortunately, you would probably lose some of the great, you know, scenes that go on way too long between Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins, which are excellent just all yeah. by themselves as, as pieces of, you know, dramatic uh, or the, just performances. But um yeah, I really feel like you could cut you could cut forty five minutes off this thing, still tell the basic story. I'm not sure it makes it a good movie either way, um, but okay. And it, it don't, I don't want to go as far as saying this is a bad movie, but because um, there's a lot of really good things 
and also, whose idea was it to make the head invest gotten Scotland Yard investigator Phil, Phil Collins? Collins. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> of people who saw that. There are it's David of... Crosby, Jimmy Buffett, I believe. Glenn um, Close. Yeah. Plays the dude that gets thrown in the chest full of scorpions. Glenn Close. <laughs> and which I did not know that's at Glenn all growing Close? up until later. And then when you see it, like, you... that's Glenn Close. That, and that's why I like, the, you know, there's there's too many good things to say about this movie to say it's bad. It's not bad. There's to be fair, Eric, to be fair, to be fair, you two have rarely said too many good things. You you said the line. There's a lot of good things here. But majority of this podcast has been you two ripping into why my childhood nostalgia movie that i was hoping to be a good review has been ripped into well no uh, i mean look i i <laughs> thank you guys i enjoy it it's just like eh, they're they're ruining they're, childhood i guess is what we do you know, here <laughs> i guess for me it's because i i also really really love this movie and there's something no, here. about rewatching it and again like i said i can quote this fucking thing and going back and rewatching it it's like oh i it it feels a bit tarnished um, and I'm, I'm trying to put my, my finger really on exactly what it is. I think it's an honest, I think for me really what is, um, I don't feel like this needed Robin Williams. I kind of feel like he was shooed into it, shoehorned into it because, eh, it's Robin Williams and like Julia Roberts, eh, cause it's Julia Roberts. Um, and there's some stuff with the Lost I, Boys that I, I agree feel with like you on the Julia Roberts because I just yeah. I really hate the characterization of Tinkerbell in this movie. Yeah. I think I Robin agree. Williams is I perfect for that. this. I think Robin Williams is absolutely the person that should have done this. I think the part wasn't written very well. Like it just yeah. Didn't... Maybe that's maybe yeah. that's what it is. Um, because like none of my favorite things about this movie are anything with Peter Pan. Because I I yeah. want to say because this all, is it's all about Dustin Hoffman. It's for some me. in the Lost Boys, and even that, I have some like conflicting oh, yeah, yeah. things with the Lost Boy kids in here too. Like honestly, as much as I I liked the ending with like Thudbutt getting the sword and all that, and I thought he was a cute character and everything, but we don't need to see him shucking and jiving. It's like, oh come on, man, do we have to have the black Lost Boy <laughs> not, shucking I mean, and jiving throughout the fucking movie? Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's let's. It was a nineties. It was a nineties movie. We've, we've I know, said you have to give it credit or... though for even being a nineties movie. They actually had quite the diverse cast. Of it does. Child it really, really does. And it, we have to like that's and that's the thing. You do actually get like who's next. First off, the one lost boy who actually notices Peter Pan and doesn't give up on him. Yeah. <laughs> Non-white and yeah. the kid who is leading everybody. White hands gone. Non-white. And the kid who gets to lead after he leaves, non-white. Oh, absolutely, yep. absolutely. I so had that in my notes too. Like, I'll give it that. That was great. We, we loved, like, we loved the fact that, like, wow, this actually has quite, like, uh, it, it could be better. But given the time period that where it's at, it's still like ahead of a lot of other films. And just like, how cool is that? And they're they're not yeah. just like one note characters. They're very lovable characters. You're really like, God, I really love these kids like they're great honestly my favorite part of this the the big fight scene at the end is um so i'm I'm gonna kind of side with both of you here yeah it was a bit formulaic but there's one scene in that fight when when hook's got pan kind of down and he's sharpening his hook on a on a stone while he's got him down and he's like you know this is all this isn't really real right you're just some fat corporate lawyer and you're you know scared of your own family and you know he's kind of taunting him a little bit and messing with his like head. this is just a dream you're gonna yeah. wake up back to yeah. your shit reality yeah. yeah yeah that i was like that's that's pretty twisted i kind of liked that part just because that's that's the one scene i feel like in in that whole battle where it gets kind of heavy for a second um you know and then it, of course it has to do the spielberg kind of cheesy like you know i believe in you i believe in you and all, like, all the kids and all that shit but you know it's it's cute but that scene when he's like trying to put doubt into well, him. Well, the cheesiness cool. is important because because uh, of that kid element, and that yeah. was the point. Is it's like some people want to take things too seriously. You got to go back right. to that simplicity. And yes, it's it, yeah. it is cheesy. I'm not going to deny that, but it it for me it made sense with these yeah. are kids. They would say this. This is real. This would yeah. really happen because he's a all these kids. And trying to pay Hook. it a compliment. Hook is just. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you expect? I, I made. I already made my criticism. Like, holy shit! Everyone's really. You guys mentioned the good scenes, but you don't talk about good. No, scenes. no, no. So I thought that was good, and you know, like I said, I, I overall, overall, I do and and still enjoy this movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. what do you think for grades so, on this one? 
Yeah, let's just go in there. Yeah, I'm okay. afraid of that. <laughs> well, Ryan, um, let's start with you. I mean, what what do you? No, think we're gonna you? start with you too. You guys go first. I'll end it. Okay. <laughs> I well, okay, and I think I've gotten most of my my criticisms out there, but I I think this is a solid okay movie. Um, it is definitely in the bottom half of Spielberg's cal- catalog. Um, it is certainly not my favorite of his movies. I really love a lot of them. This is not really one of them, but it's also not the worst. Um, the cast is incredible. It, that's partially why this movie seems to be when like revisiting it, why it's a bit of a letdown is because be, between those two things, Steven Spielberg and this cast, we should have been able to get like a really incredible movie. And we got a you know serviceable movie that kind of survives purely on people's nostalgia of it. Like I said, it's got beautiful, beautiful sets, beautiful uh, costume design. I it makes me nostalgic for this era of movies watching it. So that that part of it totally works. The performances are great. I could watch those scenes between uh, Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins over and over and over again. Those are like yeah. my highlights. <laughs> They're just Dustin Hoffman's incredible. Uh, in this movie as Captain Hook. In fact, he he wins. I think he is the Captain Hook of all time. It's like a, a C-plus for me. I couldn't ever give it an F. There's too much I like about it. Yeah, oh no, I I, I still really enjoyed this one. I just kind of, I think when I was a kid, I would have put this one in the A category. And today, uh, I'd say it's like a B-. minus. It's still one that I really, really enjoy. Um, some of those little nods to the source material they do get a little ham-fisted but i i like them because it's peter pan i mean hell the the fact that they were smart enough in making this one to to make it actually like ryan you pointed out a bit progressive for 1991 i mean notice they didn't include anything about the indians because that's go back and watch the disney one now that's a hard one to do um you know i'm glad they omitted that but overall, I feel like, yeah, it's still really fun from a uh, from a casting perspective and stuff. I, I have a couple issues still, but and and the pacing I think is is a problem with it. But overall, it's um it's still a really fun movie. And yeah, I think what elevates it to the most is essentially all the pirate stuff. This is something if my kids could watch a couple of times, I'd still be okay with it. But I can see why it's hard for kids today because it's a bit it drags a bit in the in the beginning. But overall, yeah, it's still quite enjoyable so ryan see we didn't completely destroy it (laughs) yeah i i definitely wished we did talk more about like the positive elements of it like i like i think it would have been cool to talk more about the casting uh parts that were that really worked out a lot longer um because i think maggie smith for example like she she definitely this is the first movie i ever saw her with so she was definitely established herself as a this kind of treasure um for me, this yes. is actually one of, like, even despite uh, both Eric and Spielberg's opinions, this is actually one of my favorite Spielberg movies next to uh, Raiders. I don't care for Jaws. I don't think it's bad. It's just I don't care about it. Um, I don't care about Cl- Close Encounters is okay. I rarely see it. Um, but it's one of those things where those weren't the movies that this is a nostalgia movie for me. And I will admit that. And that's I think that's what kind of makes it kind of heavy uh, having this review, I found out. Is that when I rewatched this movie, uh, especially with my partner, we both relived everything. We like both talked about how much uh, we cherished it, and actually now as adults, having the capabilities to break down, analyze, and know why we loved it made us actually love it more. Um, I did feel like I was going back to those those scenes in the pirate town, uh, and and. and and the the lost boys uh tree tree fortress essentially like and i know that it's definitely 90s and it's age but it reminds it deeply reminds me of a moment uh in my young childhood of of being thrown into this this magical world uh and wanting to be there to want to Mm -hmm. eat this weird colored food and the, the the games of everything like it did do what the movie was doing for the character is taking an adult and reminding them of their childhood um and so for me like yeah i i I got defensive about it because it does matter to me and that's fine like it that's how this is gonna go and but 
my honesty with it is it, it is an A plus for me because this was a movie I never got to have. It was a privilege to watch it. Mm-hmm. I saw it maybe a grand total of seven times in my life now. Like it's it's less I can count it on my two hands. That's how rarely I got to see it, but how much it still made an impact. Um, and I do acknowledge the, those moments, but yeah, it's it's a moment in time. I think that's perfectly. right there. I think that's the power of film. And I think it's one of the reasons why yeah. we do this podcast, right? Is because we're we're mm-hmm. going and we're looking back at things, and sometimes we there have been plenty of movies like I really liked this as a kid, and oh god, I didn't realize how much it sucked, you know. Um, and this <laughs> is not one of those. And in this case, I think it's one where you know I still really really enjoy it, but I just I'm seeing I see some things just a little bit different than I did as a kid. But there are certainly films that I have, Ryan, that are <laughs> just like this for you, where. Oh sure, there's yeah. probably issues that we could pick, we could pick those apart, but there's something, and like you said before, Eric, you know, nostalgia is not something that we should just disregard. Like, yeah, I like it, but that's I'm nostalgic no, for it because that's the whole point of of film anyway, right? It's it's to have some kind of you know gain some kind of emotional reaction. It's, it's art, yeah. and, oh, and it's every, experience. It's too, experience. Like, yeah, you, you do have trouble separating. Those are just like those those perfect movies that I grew up watching and adoring and wearing <coughs> videotapes out of. And, and Hook just wasn't one of those for me. Um, I didn't I didn't dislike it. I liked it fine when I saw it as a kid, but I didn't get like into it, and I didn't yeah. like watch it a lot. It was just kind of something that I saw, I enjoyed, and that was it. I mean, that was it. And I kind of forgot about it for years. Well, this is. This is definitely one of those like weird instances where typically I feel like Joe and I are the most critical for most films that we review, and Eric <laughs> is the one who's the most lighthearted. This is this weird switch around, where it's just like, oh yeah. god, yeah, I can tell you, like this is the greatest, and Eric's just like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, I, and I think I think if you look at it, like it may be nostalgia a little bit because I was the the least connected to this film. This out of the three of us, like nostalgia wise, I yeah. think too. I can, so I can say I that for for me with this film, I uh, this film was just kind of mine. Like I never knew yeah. anybody else who actually watched this film or knew of this film. It was like this weird popular secret. Huh. I so it's it's different for me now, and this is where not just my nostalgia goes, but just where I am at already emotionally in my life with my partner, especially mm-hmm. is like when this further like cemented our relationship where she's just like oh hook i love hook now you know i love hook i own hook and it's one of those movies that we now i think make a tradition to watch once a year that we'd both found a person who rare never really got to share the experience with anybody else and never even thought about it and then you do it and then just tonight because we did it tonight i waited for her to come home to watch the movie and it's just like that's where it is it's just like yeah well that's great i think that's like yeah speaks to the power of cinema and why we're so interested in it exactly um the fact that we can you know people do get different experiences out of it and sharing that with somebody who has a similar you know connection to the film is is something a kind of magic that a lot of art um I don't know, like any art that you can no, like, is fantastic, but... I, w- I was going to say, like, uh, despite my reactions of coming off as very defensive, because, because I was, but because of this review that you guys had, it did, it did, it did um, help me see why it was so, like, like, why I'm so emotionally attached to this, this piece... Um, because it goes beyond just the movie itself and like right. you your guys's criticisms of it despite like having shared on your side joe uh-huh. love for it uh and eric being uh, more in the lower end but not hate um it did oh, no. help no, me no, I help never say hate it i know i i'm just saying it did <laughs> like looking back and now taking a moment to step back and analyze and it's like i now see that and that's important that's important for that's why we do the podcast because we connect with people who share and differ in views as well as communicate to an audience uh for the hopes that maybe you guys don't always agree with how we review things i know that i've been harsh on a lot of your guys's films because i don't have certain connections but it's it does help um grow our our community uh if if you're open-minded enough to understand why and maybe those differences you don't agree with but it maybe helps strengthen and understand why you like what you like and it can appreciate other people's uh different opinions and i have to say i'm glad i 
uh, I'm glad I share a podcast with you too. Um, well, you guys yeah. are really cool and diverse and 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 open-minded well, and. Certainly, we're not always going to agree about things, and no, and this is, but we this, never fight about it. So, well, no. but I think um, that's also why you know we we kind of wrap up each episode, which we kind of need to do here, uh, with also asking yes, audience yeah, members what what you guys think of this movie. You know, like what do you have a, a strong connection to this film hook, or is there another movie that's kind of like this to you that you know is from your childhood, and maybe you can go back and see, yeah, 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 there are some some rough edges on it, but you know what, my my love for it, and it takes me back to a place that I don't care about that, and I can overlook all of that, and I to a point not even overlook, but just I don't even see it because I have such this strong connection. We'd love to hear any other stories that you uh, that anybody any of our listeners have um, with a movie, whether it's Hook or anything. Right? Is there a movie that, from your childhood that you can oversee any issue with it because it takes you back to a certain place? I'd love to hear any of those stories. You know. Uh, yeah. Because I think yeah, we all sure. have movies that are, are like that, hence why we make podcasts and why hopefully people are listening to it. So <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> if you have one of those stories, please share it with us. And I'm going to go ahead and do the plug because you can share that story with us uh, <laughs> via email at thevideojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and, and share your share your story with us there, both at our Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook page or the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group page. Or if you can summarize it down to a very, very short sentence or two feel free to send us a tweet at video junk pod anything that you say will be uh or any other questions comments criticism or witticisms we'd be happy to read uh on the show and coming up yeah, on the video junkyard podcast we have a fantastic uh live recording christmas special um Next week, I believe, we're going to be uh, welcoming an um, old friend of mine and podcaster, Nate Valker, to uh, talk about Flight of the Dragons. And then uh, following that, we're going to do a series of uh, 90s film adaptations of classic film serials. So we're going to look at The Phantom, The Shadow, The Rocketeer, Dick Tracy, and that'll round us out for, actually, we'll, that'll put us over into 2020 just a little bit. Uh, lots of really exciting stuff coming up in 2020, including Barry Lyndon. I want to thank everybody for listening into our conversation on Hook and listening into any episodes and hopefully all of the episodes that we've done here at the Video Junker Podcast. So thank you again for downloading, listening, streaming, however you uh, listen to the show. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Gilbranson. Uh, and I'm Ryan Seiskel. And uh, I think we learned an important lesson tonight, and that's it doesn't matter how different our views are about certain things, as long as we understand and respect that People love what they love, and we all share the same love of movies. Everyone have a good night. Bangarang. Bangarang. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.